0: Welcome to Ask Me Anything everybody, I'm Matt Love, I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer and today we have a question that I am sure every single one of you has asked at some point in your life. Does the Bible teach that men shouldn't have long hair? And this question came up recently out of one of your teachings, J.D., through the book of 1 Corinthians. And In chapter 11, verse 14, it says, does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? So, J.D., again, the question that we're all wondering. Does the Bible teach that men shouldn't have long hair? You know,
1: that's often how this passage was taught to me when I was in my private Christian school, in my independent Baptist um, uh, Christian school I grew up in. Long hair on a man is sinful. Uh, in fact, I would say probably a lot of our listeners may have grown up in that kind of context. Do um, you might remember the song? We actually had a song. If your hair is too long, there's sin in your heart. Get it cut today, make a brand new start. You'll live a life of fear and dread with that tangled mess upon your head. So is that what Paul's trying to say? Like, if you have long hair, there's got to be sin in your heart. Um, Then there's the part, by the way, in the same passage about women wearing a head covering. It says that, you know, women shouldn't have just like men shouldn't have long hair. It says women shouldn't have short hair. It's a shame to them. He says it's a shame to pray with their head uncovered. Um, You know, is Paul saying that it's wrong for a woman to have a bobbed haircut? Is it wrong for you know her not to come in with a, a veil or a shawl? Um, that it, is that what Paul's trying to communicate? I mean, there's some traditions that women have to wear a shawl in church. I mean, that's you think more of the Amish traditions and that sort of thing. But is that is that how the only way that we can apply First Corinthians 11? Um, and if if we don't apply it that way, are we picking and choosing which parts of the Bible to take literally and which parts to you know say are cultural? Um, l- l- let me share something really important about Bible interpretation that you have to get if you're going to interpret not just this passage, but so much of the New Testament in the right way. You can go wrong in one of two ways with a passage like this. You can over-apply it or underapply apply it. Paul and, and other Bible writers will sometimes teach a timeless principle, and then they will encourage their readers, their first audience, the the Corinthians that he's writing to, to apply this timeless principle in a culturally appropriate way. So the first way that you can go wrong is to make make your particular cultural expression normative for everybody. That's what what I would say is over-applying. The other way you can go wrong is by failing to extract the timeless principle and dismiss all of what the Bible writer is saying as cultural that's applicable only to one group. That's underapply. Well, you're like, well, that none of this applies to us because that's just a cultural thing. The right thing to do is to pull out, to extract the timeless principle and then figure out what it looks like in your particular cultural context. Let me let me, let me me illustrate this by using a different biblical example. A um, few chapters after Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11, um, he, he, in chapter 16, Paul ends his letter with this command and it's a command, greet one another with a holy kiss. In those days, kissing somebody on both cheeks was the common way to show friendship. It's how you showed intimacy, warmth to the person you were meeting. It was saying, "This is, you're not just a, an acquaintance. You're somebody I consider family. Um, some cultures still do that, but that's not what we do in the United States of today, particularly not in Omicron season, um, in, in, in coronavirus season. You, you could take that verse literally, and you could say, well, I'm just trying to be faithful to the Bible, and you could insist on, like, this command means i got to kiss every Christian that I encounter. That's going to creep everybody out. It's going to get you fired off of our church's greeting team. It's going to make you generally the kind of person everybody avoids, again, particularly during Omicron or on coronavirus season. So that's not the right way to, to, to handle that verse. That's, that, that's, that's, that's over-applying. Or you might say, well, yeah, you know, since greeting one another with kisses is just not what we do anymore, well, this verse just doesn't apply to me. But see, then you'd fail to see that the timeless principle Paul is commanding does apply to you, and that is you should greet each other in the church with the warmth and the tenderness of family. The right thing, the right, that's underapplying, by the way, the right thing for us to do is to figure out the culturally appropriate way of expressing the timeless principle in our day. For us, you know, First Corinthians 16, 20, that's probably greet one another with a warm handshake. Or a COVID approved fist bump, or, or the patented Christian co ed side hug, or, or the same gender Christian, you know, fist in the back hug, where you, the bro hug. We're to take the unchanging principle of greeting each other like family and put it into the changing expressions of our particular culture. Does that make sense? We see the same is true now in this principle of long hair on men or head coverings for women. What, the question we have to ask is what communicates in our day what those things communicated in their day? Well, okay, well, then you got to ask, what did head covering communicate? What did long hair and head covering, and Paul, by the way, seems to conflate those a lot, long hair and head covering, what did those communicate in that day? Well, the first thing it communicated was femininity. Right, verse 14, you there, in First Corinthians 11, you see Paul says, nature itself teaches you that men and women, that they're created differently, and thus they should look different and not try to look like each other. The point is not long or short hair. The point is every culture has certain things that distinguish men from women and women from men, and we should not try to blur those. We should not cooperate with this sort of androgynous, you know, there's only one sex. You can't tell the difference between the two. We shouldn't go along with that. In Corinth, men did not have long hair unless they were trying to cross-dress. And by the way, scholars tell us cross-dressing was common in Corinth. Women did not have short hair unless they were trying to look like men. There were women who would shave their heads and, and and pose as male gladiators so that they could participate in that. And Paul said, don't do that. It also speaks modesty. Uh, the historian, Kyle Harper, says, Roman women in late antiquity were to be marked above all else by pudicitia That's the Latin word for modesty. And for a mature woman to wear her hair unveiled was one of the chief signs in Corinth, not in the church, but just everywhere in Corinth. That was a sign of sexual immodesty. Now, that was their culture. But I would say that that a veil and even long hair on a woman don't necessarily communicate both of those exact same things in our culture. So the question we have to ask is the timeless principle, men should look like men, women should look like women. What does dressing in gender appropriate ways that honor the distinctions of nature, what does that look like in our culture? Well, I I would assume that means just some examples off the top of my head that men probably wouldn't wear skirts, Unless you're listening to this podcast in Scotland, and that's common there, and then yeah, it's, you know, it's it's not a sign of femininity. If you're a guy, it's probably safe to say you shouldn't be wearing you know midriff blouse with lace and sequins and mom jeans. You shouldn't dress like um, generally like David on on Schitt's Creek S C H I T T S by the way, right? Who who seems to intentionally try to dress as if you can't tell if it's an outfit for a man or a woman. You shouldn't do that because God made you a man. Therefore, you dress like a man. You shouldn't try to blur the distinction. What what, what what dressing like a man looks like changes from place to place and even within cultures. I mean, 50 years ago, a man with an earring, may have that may have been an indication he was trying to look feminine. That's not really true anymore. 50 years ago, a woman with a, a tattoo might have seemed like she was trying to, to be masculine. I, I would say that's not necessarily true anymore. At least all tattoos, you wouldn't put in that category. I love what Kevin DeYoung I love the way he talks about this passage It's a great little book called Men and Women in the Church He said however we apply this passage We can assert without equivocation That God wants men to look like men And women to look like women Though what that physically looks like will vary from time to time And place to place The Bible here affirms an essential truth No longer obvious in our day It is disgraceful for a man to appear to be a woman And a woman to appear to be a man It is dishonoring to God to do things That mask or confuse our gender so that's the principle, the timeless principle. Men in every culture should look like men, and women should look like women. The changing application of that is not going to be necessarily long hair or veil coverings. Because, by the way, if you're going to say the thing about long hair, you got to do it about veil coverings, too. right? So you, 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 you say, okay, what is the timeless principle, and what does that look like in our culture? I will add, the second thing that Paul is saying long hair and wearing a a, a veil, a shawl, communicates is respect for God's order. Not just gender distinctions, but God's order. And what I mean by that is that Paul is going to explain in 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy, that because God created the man first, they're supposed to take the lead role, spiritual leadership role in both the home and the church. And a woman possessing long hair in Corinth or wearing a veil in church, that was a sign that they respected that order. That's what wearing a veil communicated. So the principle is, for us, when a woman speaks or leads or teaches in the church, they should do so in ways that demonstrate, not attempt to subvert God's order. For example, here at the Summit Church, we believe that women have access to all the spiritual gifts and they can speak in church and teach things in church and, 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 and lead in church. And, and, and we want them to do that. We want them to be a part of, of, of the ministry team here at the Summit Church. But we believe based on, on this chapter, 1 Corinthians 11, and also 1 Timothy 2, that they should do so. When they're going to speak in church, they should do so in a way that shows they respect the order that God has established. Having a woman wear a head covering whenever she walks on stage, I, I would say that no longer communicates that kind of respect like it did in Corinth. But But this is the reason, for example, that we don't have women give the main message on Sunday morning. Because in our context, people just assume that the one who does that on Sunday morning is the pastor-elder. The first Timothy says, clearly that leadership role is reserved for the man. And so, you know, for me to have a woman up front that it it confuses everybody, they think that she is the teaching as a pastor elder, we believe that would be a violation of the timeless principle that Paul teaches in first Corinthians 11. That's not to say women don't have a lot to say in the church. Some of the people I've learned from most in the body of Christ are women, Elizabeth Elliott, Jen Wilkin, Elise Fitzpatrick, Beth Moore, Hannah Anderson, Rosaria Butterfield, Rebecca McLaughlin, Jackie Hill Perry. Not to mention a bunch of women on staff here that I've had the privilege of work working with over the years, who have have, have impacted me spiritually as much as anybody I know. People like Bonnie Schram and Lori Francis and Leslie Hildreth, Amy Whitfield, Janetta Oni, a lot of others. Sometimes you know they, they they will be on our stage speaking in church, but we always do so in a way that communicates that we are respecting the the order that God established of of men being the spiritual leaders in the church. That's why when I, I've had women teaching so to speak in the church there i'm always up there in a, kind of an interview it's not that they're not capable it's not that you know i'm afraid of what they're going to say it's that we just want to communicate that yeah, you know, the office of the official teaching authority in the church is is with the elders and those elders are men and so so we want to communicate that in a picture that's that's one of the ways we apply first corinthians 11 it may not be that she wears a veil but the fact that i'm up there is kind of like is like me saying hey this is you know the, the men are 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 in the leadership pastoral elder roles here at the church, just like just like God God commanded. Karen Swallow Pryor, she's a literature professor over at, at Southeastern. She said that Christ's headship over the church is reflected metaphorically in men being the primary deliverers of the word to the church in the capacity of pastor-elder. And so we want to communicate that when when women speak in church, that they're not doing so as a pastor-elder. Um, that's a biblical distinction that we want to honor because the apostle said in 1 Corinthians 11, That to not honor that distinction was dishonoring to god culturally how we apply that may change but the timeless principle does not
0: well there you have it take a look at the mirror look at your hair length make your choices uh figure out what god wants from you there i hope this was helpful for all of you that were uncertain and as always we would love if you would you can get any resources from pastor jd on jdrear.com and we would love it if you would subscribe and rate this podcast. Uh, any reviews you can leave. It just helps other people find the podcast. And if you like the podcast, chances are other people will like it as well. So we would love it if you do that for us. And we will see you next time on Ask Me.